Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making this place such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, just a quick note. Uh, It's been now a little over a week since we changed the name of the show from Coast View. As I said so many times, Coast View served us so well over such a long period of time. But uh, people tended to call this Ricky Show or the Ricky Matthews Show, and we just decided to, to simplify it for marketing purposes and name it the way people refer to it. And, you know, eliminate a little bit of the confusion with the name VUE, V-U-E, which was a French term for the visual perception of a region. And um, a lot of a lot of great feedback from people. I really appreciate people engaging with the show. It's been it's been great. It's been, you know, when you do something like change the name of the show, it gives you sort of an opportunity to uh, kind of freeze frame the moment, see where you are, look at the numbers, you know, hear from a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people support this show. We really appreciate it. And um, I think one of the biggest things I get is that people are really, really, really focused on the positive message that that I try to bring to the show, you know, whether it be through the quotes or the conversations or whatever. And again, from time to time, I'll get on an issue. And the beauty of me being involved in an issue is that I can do it independently. I, I don't fear what the backlash might be. You know, I, I learned as a publisher, as a community leader, as a CEO, that you got to be courageous sometimes. You have to be willing to uh, put yourself out there, not fear the fallout that comes from that. Being independent, being retired and doing this show and being supported by the leadership of Supertalk Mississippi, uh, it's uh, I'm in a unique spot. And uh, I'm not going to be you know grabbing hold of issues too often, but when I do, uh, I'm going to do my homework, and I'm going to do it because I believe that's what's best for the community. And I've always done that. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have this platform, and I really, really appreciate the support. Uh, one last note. Um, had so many great conversations this week. I, we try to focus every day on bringing something to you that's going to make a difference. But if you missed my conversation with Oliver Diaz, he's uh, from Biloxi. And uh, he spent time in Jackson and Oxford. He's traveled the world with his wife. And uh, if you missed my conversation with Oliver, I'd really point you in that direction. He's now going to be a thought leader columnist for Super Talk Mississippi News. He'll be contributing on a regular basis. He wrote a he wrote a column about the right to travel that coastal excuse me that um, Americans tend not to appreciate this incredible right constitutional right we have to travel, not just in the United States but around the world. And he's done some amazing things. You got to go listen to this conversations to be reminded of what all he has done. But uh, but it was a great conversation, and we're really thrilled to have Oliver on our team, and it's fun for me to have an opportunity 
to uh, to spend time with people like Oliver. So uh, I would encourage you to go to the Facebook page or YouTube or your favorite podcast and look that up. Okay, so without any further ado, it is Friday on on uh, the Ricky Matthews Show, and I'm pr- pleased to bring in to uh, the conversation my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. How you doing, Jeff? Ricky, good, man. We got through the draft. It's all downhill from here. And you've got uh, Jazz Fest, man. I, I know how you guys feel about Jazz Fest, but you're all up in that now, aren't you? Yeah, it's like the one uh, the one big thing that always overlaps with the draft is, is Jazz Fest. So it's always a busy time here. And luckily, we got great weather. So it should be a fun weekend. Yeah. You know, Jeff, you know, take a quick side note real quick. You heard what I said a minute ago about from time to time on this show, I'm going to lock on an issue. And, you know, there's so many issues I could lock on, but as a general rule, I don't lock on to much, if if anything. But when I do, I'm going to put everything I've got into it. And uh, I'm actually writing a piece about courage right now. There's a there's an issue that I have dealt with on my Super Talk Outdoors show that has revealed to me sort of the machine that can work against you when you want to get on an issue. And uh, what it means to be courageous, what it means to have a moral compass. And, you know, when you're dealing with issues, whether it be a local issue or a statewide issue that you think is in the in the best uh, in the best interest of the public, there are always going to be there's always going to be gravity of opposition that's working against whatever that is. That's just the way it works. And you and I through journalism have gotten to know that really well. But when you, when you, when you talk about just the term of courageous, you know, overcoming fear, being willing to sort of weather the fallout that comes from, from stepping up and talking about things that at times are uncomfortable. You and I, through our careers, we have, we have personally seen it through our own, you know, discussions of tough issues. And we've been surrounded by people who knew how to take that on and they let their moral compass speak and the fallout did not matter at the end of the day. Courage is an amazingly important thing in a, com- in a community, isn't it? Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the early poems that I, I, I embraced was The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. I mean, the easy road often isn't the right road. And, um, you know, in our business, especially, uh, you've got to let the truth be the divining rod. And um, as long as you're seeking the truth as the best facsimile of the truth, as close as you can get to it, uh, that's what's important. Not, And unfortunately, as you know, Ricky, in this day and age, there's just a lot of um, image making and, and uh, you know, perception is, is so important that people want to distort the truth. And it's our job, and at least in, in the news business, to try and get to the heart and distilled truth of, of the story. And that often involves some friction and conflict, but you're, you're just trying to shine a light on what you think is the, the, the true story, not necessarily what someone wants the story to be portrayed as. Yeah, I know it can be difficult. I'm going to give uh, listeners a great example that you were involved in. Let me, I want to read the first two paragraphs to you and just get your reaction to it, and then I'm going to give give the the listeners an example of one that you're talking that that I think is a good example of what you just talked about. Here, here's the first two paragraphs of what I'm in the process of writing. Courage is defined as doing something when you when you know you will feel face pain and grief. For most people, it's about 
taking what could be a frightening action, but having the capacity to overcome the fear. It's persevering through the fallout in the form of opposing forces who, who, will, uh, who will work overtime to create hardship and difficulties that can come as a result of the action. Throughout my career as a newspaper publisher, community leader, and CEO, I've been honored to work with a collection of people who could be described as courageous. Their courageous actions come in the form of outstanding award-winning journalism, stakes in the dirt around a new direction for the community, or new difficult directions for a company. I've seen courage up front and personal, and I've been shaped by it. You know, one of the one of the so that's what I wrote about it. But one of the things that that hit me as it relates to that is your coverage of the changing ownership or the potential change in ownership around the Saints and the Benson family fallout, breaking that story and having people on both sides, members of the family that's sort of against you. And you, when you go after a story like that, you got to have resolve, don't you? Well, yeah, you know, it's going to cause a lot of, um, you know, change in people's lives and they're not going to want that. So clearly they're going to fight that. And yeah, that was a, that was one of the biggest stories I've ever covered. A very similar type of story would have been say post Katrina, uh, the New Orleans saints uh, and their dalliances with, with San Antonio and where they're going to try and stay in San Antonio. That was a very uh, difficult story to report. Uh, but it was the important story for the city of New Orleans and, and the Gulf coast that, that needed to be told, even though there was a, a lot of friction on reporting that story that, uh, you know, sometimes it, as you know, Ricky, uh, the fallout can last years. It can, it can be years of cold shoulder treatment and difficulty in, in trying to do your job, but it's, it's what we signed up for. It is, it is what we signed up for. And for people to fully appreciate what Jeff is saying, he is so, he's so right about that, um, that the fallout is not just the fallout you see immediately. And there's a lot of passive aggressive behavior that happens around you when you lock onto an important issue. So people that you thought you were close to suddenly act like they're close, but then you hear behind the scenes they're doing a different thing. Or maybe there's some unintended consequences that comes from the reporting that sources get hurt or lots of fallout can come in a bunch of different forms. But the reality is that the hurt feelings that come from excellent reporting are talking about an issue that needs to be talked about, that that by doing that, you reveal either elected officials or people in, in positions of public trust have their own financial gain or their own political uh, alignment or their own personal interest at heart and not those of the public interests. And 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 so the the reverberation of that can exponentially just roll. Down. And and the reality is there's there there are hurt feelings that you never even knew about. You may find out six months or a year from now that someone was tarnished in some way by your reporting, and um, and it's just something you got to learn to live with. That's why getting it right, Jeff, so important. That's why being accurate. And I used to say to one of the editors that I worked with, I used to say. Just because you can do a story doesn't mean you should do the story. Is is the fallout that will come from the story worth the public gain from the story? That's a really important calculus you have to take. Hey, in fact, I'll get I'll get Jeff's reaction to that on the other side, and then we'll talk about the latest from the Saints. We'll see you after this with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune.
listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is The Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I'm my friend Jeff Duncan from Noel.com and the Times Picayune. I was telling Jeff during the break that this opportunity that he and I had to visit, I'm extraordinarily aware of his background. He is a an award-winning journalist. He's not just a columnist who writes about sports and the Saints and Pelicans or whatever. He's an award-winning journalist. He understands what it's what it means to to take a stand and do your homework and um, and to be to be careful. You know, you just don't go you don't go fight all the fights, do you? Do you, Jeff? No, and I think I think you know. In speaking of this profession, I mean, uh, you know, I think our communities and the public rely on us. Uh, to be watchdogs and and to uh, report on things that are important to the community. I think that's the public trust that we built over time. And there's an obligation and responsibility that comes with that. And so, uh, you know, you have to always honor that. And that's how you build your credibility with your readership and with the public. And, you know, I can just think back to Katrina coverage and uh, how important that was to the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. And I think... Um, I think it, it, it reaped rewards for us down the road with loyalty from the readership. I know it has, man. I know it has. And you're surrounded by <laughs> some of the best journalists in the country. And I know that firsthand. I definitely do. So, look, um, the uh, the draft is coming going. Uh, the undrafted free agency has sort of played out. The Saints have released a couple of guys to make room or whatever. But the reality is what you guys are writing is that this played out very much what you would expect from the Saints in terms of their mold and how they approach this in terms of character, size, quickness, strength, all these things. Why don't you kind of give your evaluation now that you're looking back and can have hindsight? Well, it was very much like the drafts we've seen before with Jeff Ireland, high character, mature players that were productive at a very high level of college play, a lot of team captains, leadership traits, things that they look for in a player off the field as well as the athletic ability on it. Uh, so I, I don't think, Ricky, they got any superstars in this class. I don't think this draft in general is going to be a draft that we're going to look back on league-wide and think, Boy, look at all these all-pro players. But I think the Saints got a lot of very good, uh, solid role players that are going to be key parts of the organization for several years going forward. I just don't think you're going to see a draft like 2017 with Alvin Kamara and Ryan Ramchek and all those star players they got. That's not what this one looks like it's going to be. What's interesting, if I, as I look about, I look back at it, and um, you think about past drafts, they they made a couple of gambles in this case with uh, players that had been injured. That if they're able to emerge from their injuries or their st- string of injuries, they could be significant picks. Um, but I guess you know this is something they factor into you know their their decision making. How much of a risk is it worth on some of these players that did have a history of of uh, of of injuries or maybe coming off a big injury, they could score big on some of those players, couldn't they? Yeah, I think it's all the cost-benefit analysis that they do. But uh, Brian Brzee, the guy you're talking about, the defensive tackle, uh, his injuries were different. So it's not like he had one chronic injury. 
Uh, and I think they, you know, they grade every player on their health and medical history. And uh, so much due diligence is done. I think they feel very confident about him going forward and being a big part of their team. I mean, he's he fills a big need on the defensive line. They needed someone that can make plays in the in defensive interior, especially getting after the quarterback. That's been a weakness. And I think that's what he brings to this team is, is a penetrating force along the defensive interior. They're fine with Cam Jordan and the guys on the outside. They needed somebody to kind of wreck havoc inside. And that's, that's what he did at Clemson. You know, one of the things, Cam Jordan's been with the, the Saints for so long, it's easy to forget what, what kind of career he has had with the Saints. But when you hear these young players coming on to the team and how they talk about him and how he talks about them, you know, this the, the mentoring opportunity that he's going to get, he's a guy that we can, we've kind of taken for granted to some extent because he's been here so long. He's missed one game in his career because of injury. That's insane. I mean, that, that's the, he's the ultimate Iron Man, and we'll look back on his career as one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise, and he's still playing at a high level. It's like he's defying father time. He's obviously not as quick and as fast as he was. None of us are as, as we age, but he's able to make up for it and compensate with his intelligence and his savvy uh, to where he's still very productive and very effective, and there's no doubt he leads – by example, in that locker room, every player can look to him to understand what it what it really means to be a professional. So, Jeff, what's going on at the Saints right now? So you've got the rookies coming in. Carr's got – I'd be interested to know what Carr is doing these days and how he's beginning to make his mark on the team. Uh, what's going on at the Saints organization these days? Well, every team in the league, like the Saints, is having their off-season conditioning program. So they're all out at the facility every day uh, working out, getting in shape, uh, the rookie minicamp, as you mentioned, is next week, so we'll get the chance to see the rookies for the first time. They'll be in the building for the first time, getting fitted with their equipment and gear. They'll go on the field. And then down the road, we'll have the full team minicamp where everybody's on the field at the same time. So really kind of the off-season program starting to kick into gear right now at Saints camp. So what what is – talk to me about that. What what As the rookies come in – there's an expectation they they're going to be involved, right? I mean, you don't you you don't you don't hold out already as a rookie in a situation like that, do you? Right. Hey, let, let, let me do this while we're talking. I got to plug in my laptop. Okay. So yeah, keep talking. No problem at all. No problem at all. But uh, but Jeff is uh, Jeff's on the ground there. He's able to see exactly what's happening with the Saints during this time of the year. And used to be, you know, all the all the uh, pros at this stage of the game would run off and go live wherever they're going to live and you'd see them again when the season, you know, when, when uh, mini camp starts again, or maybe the, the, uh, the summer camp before they get, get into the preseason. But now they're doing year round programs and it's, it's very designed, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah. Like, so you asked about Derek Carr, Derek Carr right now is in the building. He'll start having meetings with the offensive staff. They'll start kind of going through the playbook, determining what it is that, he likes in the playbook what what he can bring to this playbook maybe that he's done in the past with the Raiders that they can incorporate into the offensive scheme uh, that's what's probably going to be uh, the biggest factor over the next two months is uh, you know getting him indoctrinated into the Saints scheme and uh, maybe uh, tailoring the offense to his skill set and and so he and Pete Carmichael and the rest of the offensive staff will be meeting in addition to while he's working out one of the things I'm curious about, I meant to ask you this already, actually, is that in your book about uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton and the Saints offense, 
um, you said that you have to have a PhD in offense to run it. How similar is the scheme that he came from from this one, including the terminology? How different is it? No, it's very similar. I mean, they're both kind of based in the West Coast system. And one of the reasons the Saints were attracted to Derek Carr is because they knew he would fit in well with this type of system. It's very much a quarterback-friendly scheme. And I think the thing that I hear most from the offensive coaches right now that they're excited about with Carr is the Saints, when Drew Brees was here, and if you read Peyton and Brees, you, 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 we, we talked a lot about this. They put a lot on Drew Brees' plate to get the offense into the right play at the line of scrimmage. He could read the defense. He was he was so smart. He had so much experience. Uh, he was able to get to the line of scrimmage, and usually almost every play the Saints call, they have two plays, and they get to the line, and the quarterback will read what the defense is in. He'll check to one or the other. And that was something, frankly, that they've had trouble with the last couple of years, getting into the right play or getting out of a bad play. And they really are excited about Derek Carr's ability to do that. They think they could put more on his plate, uh, almost up to where they were with Drew Brees. And that's something that I think they're looking forward to. You know, you and I had chatted about this, but you wondered if the Saints would bring in a play caller. That doesn't appear to have happened. So, you know, what's your thoughts about how that's going to play out going forward? Yeah, no, I mean, this is the loyalty we're seeing from Dennis Allen uh, with Pete Carmichael. He's, He's standing behind Pete. And uh, this offensive staff, I think it's a huge issue going forward is, you know, how this offense performs because Mike Thomas will be back. Uh, you got the, the rookie left tackle, uh, Trevor Penning, who is going to be back. I mean, in the Saints' mind, that's like getting two extra first-round draft picks that you add into the offense. Uh, so this offense now really has the weapons, I think, to be much more productive than they were last year. So there's a lot of pressure on that on that role as offense coordinator and on the offensive staff to, to produce. Uh, because if you look at what's happened in Carolina and Atlanta this offseason, they've both improved their rosters tremendously. And, and so I think the Saints go into the season as the favorite in the division, but I think it's going to be much more competitive because I think those two clubs have really improved themselves this year. Yeah, it's kind of scary, actually, looking at some of the, the moves and draft choices that were taken by our competitors in our division, you know, if, you, if there were some good players to have been gotten, they got some good players, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think Bryce Young is terrific. I, I think Carolina immediately is going to improve four or five wins just by having him in the building. It's gonna, There's going to be a transition. Any rookie is going to face that. But everything you read about Bryce Young, um, everything I hear, all the people that I respect, uh, he's a can't-miss prospect, kind of a generational talent. And that immediately upgrades Carolina. They've really been trying to tra- chase uh, finding a, a franchise quarterback for a decade or so since Cam Newton left. And, you know, this is the guy I think that they landed on. He's clearly the best player in the draft. Well, next week we'll talk more about the defense and specifically the new defensive coaches and how they're gelling with Dennis Allen, et cetera. It'd be interesting to hear your, your take on that. But we're out of time for today. It has been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Have a great uh, time at the Jazz Fest. Thanks, Ricky. We'll talk next week. Take you care. Bet. We'll, see, we'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.